0: the following, a podcast dedicated to two words Jesus used to change the world, follow me. He used it then and he uses it now. What does it mean? Does it define the boundaries of our relationship with him? Come and join us as we explore follow me in the following.
1: It's a gonna rain, rain, children. God's gonna send well, the water from Zion. Well, my Lord. He's gonna raise the heavens up higher. It's gonna rain. It's gonna yeah. rain. It's a gonna rain. rain, children. God's gonna send well, the water from Zion. He He's gonna raise the heavens up higher. It's gonna it's rain. Gonna it's gonna, gonna, rain. gonna yeah. rain. Well, God got angry upon his throne.
0: What is the following? The following is a way of envisioning your life in Christ. More particularly, the following pictures our participation with all of the, go- the people of God as we daily respond to the call of Jesus to those who would believe. He calls, follow me. It is the combined activity of followers of every age and stage. The first part of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses tells the nation of Israel, the people of God, that it was now time to try again to get the previously recalcitrant members of the following, dot .ot or Old Testament, across the Jordan River to claim the land that God had promised them. They had just completed lapping the wilderness where just 40 short years before they had briefly refused to go into the land because um, the land they were promised by, by God. Deuteronomy eight one to three says, "Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised you, uh, on oath to your ancestors." Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these forty years to humble and test you, in order to know that it was in what was in your heart whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, first he says, be careful to follow. The Old Testament is uh, the the story that, that is behind the coming of Jesus. But the people of faith in that those generations are part of the following. That great uh, continuous stream of... Uh, God's grace that brings people to himself. Be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you so that you may live and increase and may be and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised you on an oath. So God said, I'm leading you. You follow me. And if you follow me, I will lead you to the place that I promised I would lead you and he would give you. He goes on to say, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Even though they were in re- they had rebelled against God and God had punished them with uh, waiting for a generation of people to die, still that was part of the following. They were following God into their punishment, into their uh, um, time in the naughty chair, uh, to humble and test them in order that, the, 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 that God might know their heart. Lapping the wilderness was punishment, but God did not say start walking, I'll let you know when to stop, he incorporated it into their portion of the following. He humbled you, it goes on to say, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors needed to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. So even their experience of hunger and feeding with manna, which must have been kind of ordinary tasting, um, it was still a part of the following as they uh, followed the word of God. In episode 11, we talked about our participation in the following is made a hopeful journey based on the promises of God. Contemporary hope is expectation based on nothing. You can hear this in the, in the conversation between small children. you hear the words of unbridled hope. They don't know anything about how the world operates or how much money things cost or how much money their parents have or the, their capacity to handle whatever they're hoping for. They just say things like, I hope I get a rocket ship for my birthday, or I hope when I'm older, someone gives me a million-quazillion dollars, or I hope I will marry a princess someday. They're cute expressions, but of youthful optimism. Uh, it, it's hope without capital, not at all like hope described in the Bible. We looked at Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. A great statement that gives hope to the believer. Just a thought before we press on. In the early 1500s, a brother uh, thought he would do something to help all the other followers of Jesus. In 1951, Robert uh, Esteem published the first edition of the Bible with chapter and verse numbers alongside the text. His goal was undoubtedly to make it easier to find uh, our way around the scriptures. He was successful uh, in making the Bible more accessible. The problem with um, his gift to us was that the verse numbers slowly changed how readers would view the scriptures. Verses were often taken out of context or the whole passage, uh, thoughts pulled apart from their intended, way that were intended to be together. Um, and that was exacerbated by a view of the scriptures that, that said that every every single word was um, a, a word sent by God, and, and so it didn't matter what order you took them; they, they were all God's word. But the facts are that the the, the truth is communicated in the context. Um, the, this, this first we we're looking at today Romans five five one to six is a good example. This passage. Um, I wonder how many of you caught the fact that I read Romans chapter five, one to six, two times in a row the last episode. I did it because that's how it showed up in my notes. This is one of the joys of Parkinson's disease. It's kind of like having digital Tourette syndrome. as Parkinson's progressed, its effects on the small muscle movements required uh, for things like typing and smartphone operation. I double clicked and, and the paste command and voila two two versions. I used to type pretty quickly and precisely. Now when I try typing, I look at the screen and what I've written appears that the, the, my, my keyboard has the gift of tongues. Or if you pause to think, you only look back on the monitor and find 20 lines of the letter R. In this particular situation, it was multiple pasting disorder. It happens a couple of to, it happened a couple of other, to, other times in my notes that, that last time, but I found those and corrected them but somehow I missed this one. I didn't notice until I was re- recording. Halfway through the verses the second time, I recognized what was what was happening. I made some comment uh, about it. Uh, some verses needed to be read twice to get the good out of them. Uh, if you look at the cover photo of our podcast, it says, The Parkinson's Progress presents Timothy Lester's The Following. Got a lot of words. The Parkinson's Progress is not an organization, but a determination. It was born out of What Kitty and I call our Annus Horribilis, 2018, our horrible year. Parkinson's disease affects everyone differently. No matter how it presents, there are some commonalities. Firstly, it's a progressive disease. Everyone who has it deals with the fact that over time, things become more difficult and not easier. Secondly, it's incurable. Researchers are working hard and fast, but to date... There's no cure. The knowledge of that is like the sound of a dripping tap. That dripping tap produces its own pressure, and if allowed to, would push you into discouragement, depression, and despair. The latter part of last year, I was existing somewhere between the along that continuum between discouragement and despair. I was really struggling. I was looking for a way to use the giftings God had given me. I couldn't do everything I used to do, but I could do some things. I launched into a pursuit of how my gifts would be used in the future, and I could respond to the calling of God in my life. I decided to write a book. The book was going to look at the a macro or a large view of our relationship with God. The working title of the book was The Following. Sound familiar? I was in the beginning days of that project with the first chapter finished when, while walking across our living room floor, I had an episode of Parkinson's induced freezing. Freezing is when you, your body becomes temporarily immobilized. You can't move. If you're walking and the episode begins, you tend to shorten your steps to a tight shuffle. My feet tend to come together. Whatever momentum you have has only your ankles to bear the weight. Now, I'm a big boy, and I was working hard trying to get my ankles to absorb the momentum, but it wasn't looking good. I could see our then one-year-old grandson Danny coming toward me, moving into the danger zone. I said, Danny, move back, Grandpa's going to fall. He thought it was a game. He just stood and smiled and uh, a wee smile of defiance on his face. I reached down and pushed him aside uh, uh, into safety and the momentum uh, carried me and I fell into an antique sewing machine. I didn't actually fall into the sewing machine, but my head came to rest on that pedal thing that, uh, that used to operate it. I dislocated my shoulder. It's called an inferior dislocation. And it's because I reached for a chair and, and hit it with my arms extended above my, my head. And uh, so the, the, it's called an inferior separation, if that's in any interest to you. Uh, and also broke a piece out of the top of the humerus bone. That bone held some of the tendons used to operate my left arm. They tried to correct that surgically, but it failed. Uh, I can go into much more detail, but I won't. What I was left with was about 10 or 15% movement in my left arm and being left-handed just multiplied the impact. With my degraded typing skills, the book idea was put on hold. Praise God, I discovered podcasting. I had been a consumer of podcasts for years. I listened to plenty of them, but did not realize that anyone could have one and the cost of entry was reasonable. It gave me a chance to do what I could do with what I had. One thing was for sure. I wasn't going to let Parkinsons set the agenda. Now, where were we? Oh yes, the Book of Romans, chapter five, one to six, one to five, and, uh, and trouble with verse references. Therefore, since we have been justified with faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also have t- obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we also we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, endurance produces character and character produces hope. I think sometimes when we, we share Christ with people, we don't, we we, we give the impression that once you uh, accept Jesus, everything's going to be all right. The reality is that once we receive Jesus and we begin to follow him, he, he just takes us through our life and produces in us the good that come from what was even meant to be a difficulty for us. Or take the book of Ephesians, chapter chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I've used these verses hundreds of times through my Christian life to share the faith with people. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And usually that's where we stop. We just say, see, it says you're saved by faith, and and and, uh, and uh, not by works, so that nobody can boast. And we almost never go on to verse ten that says, for we are His workmanship. The word is poema. It comes is the word the word we get poem from, or or we are the 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 product of His creative work, created in in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So suddenly. You see, if you take the, the whole passage together, you see that we're saved by faith, not as a result of works, but the result of our salvation will be works that God prepared before us be, uh, beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, one thing I know about uh, uh, something that God created is it'll work. If, if, if God created a nightingale, it would sing a song. If, if God created a, an arrow, it would fly straight. And if God creates a person... For good works, it, there'll be a reality in in their, in their life. If you pull eight and nine, verses eight and nine out, uh, you you cut the thought of the verse in half It ignore the author's intention. James chapter two, uh, verse eighteen a- answers the question: Is it faith we, we enter into the following by faith or by our works? Uh, and the answer is yes. In fact, when I started doing research for this. Um, Podcast series. I I bought a book out of the states that dealt with the subject of of following Jesus, and the first chapter in it had to do with whether the the, the argument about once saved always saved, which I think has always been a kind of a a uniquely strange thing to argue about. Uh, The facts are that uh, faith and 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 the results of faith are are indivisible. So the question, are we saved by faith or works? The answer is yes. James says, if someone will say to you. Uh, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. The answer to the question, faith or works is yes. He goes on to say, was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active uh, along with his, it, with his works. Faith was completed in his works and the scripture was fulfilled. It says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So the answer is yes. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and uh, verse 12 to 18 it says, Therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not, by my, uh, not only as in my presence but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work with his good pleasure. So first Philippians Paul says in Philippians that when we come to faith, that faith has to be worked out into us. It's kind of like a uh, uh, an athlete, like a Usain Bolt, the sprinter. When he was born, he had everything needed in, in him to be the, the world's fastest man, uh, but he had to work it out of him by uh, discipline and practice. It's Just in the same way, when we become people of faith, in the following, we have to work that out into our lives as we, as we follow Jesus and ask the questions, what would he do, how would he respond, and so forth. Paul goes on to say, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of the crooked and twisted generation. It seems like we can uh, forget that bit. Um, if we look honestly and fearlessly into our lives, we will discover areas in which we have forgotten that but. It's it's easy to put our conversion, or our uh, experience of beginning to follow the Lord, into a box and, and say, now that's taken care of, and move on, but the rest of our lives showing very little effect from our commitment to Christ. Maybe one of the reasons for the growing number of leavers, people who would still claim to be, be in the faith of Jesus, but have left the church, as churches have become more market-driven that is to targeted their ministries to a specific age group, those who don't fall into the demo or the demographic that they're aiming for are not considered and they're just over it. We talk um, in the past about metaphors that give a snapshot of a person's faith. The first metaphor was followers of the way. That's what the, the followers of Jesus were called until early in the book of Acts. It pictures those who believe in Jesus are following him on a path that would lead to a final destination. Jesus did make uh, it easy for his first followers. He was not afraid to point out issues and let a person walk. Jesus knew if a person did not know the, do the sums, when the pressure came on, uh, they'd be out of there. Luke chapter 14, Jesus says, Whosoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whatever in your life situation that would keep you from following. Following Jesus is your cross. The decisions in regards to these things are hard. and It's all a part of following Jesus. Luke 28 says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, um, it's not he's not able to finish it all who see it will begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish it or what the king was going or what, or what or what king going out to encounter another king at war will not sit down first and de, uh, Deliberate whether he is able to with 10,000 um, To meet him that comes against him with 20,000 and if not while, on the other, uh, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. We've gone to Rarotonga a couple times in our life, a little beautiful island in the South Pacific. It's not very big and uh, you can drive a little scooter around it in about 45 minutes or an hour uh, around the whole circumference of the island. But uh, in there uh, about the, the five o'clock position, there, there's a, a building of a Sheridan Hotel that was started years, decades ago. A beautiful thing it would have been if it was completed, but they ran out of money. And it's just become a uh, kind of a shameful uh, object of of, of interest and pecuniary uh, just looking at it. Just uh, kind of being fascinated how much money was thrown down that hole and it never was finished. And how shameful it was that the people that started it didn't have the resources to complete. So instead of their vision being a a source of pride, it's a source of ridicule. Same with uh, people who get all excited and say they're going to follow Jesus, but haven't counted the count cost. Uh, and they bail out and flame out and, and uh, can draw the uh, questioning and uh, ridicule of those around them. The following thinks about the whole arc of the journey. To the end of our journey is secure, but we still want to be found following when we go to him or he comes to us. We want to be, make, make sure that we're, we're about uh, our position in the following. Hebrews chapter 11 it talks about people of faith throughout the generations. Uh, and then chapter 12 starts out this way. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. And this is the key part. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. That's this following in in a nutshell. Fix your eyes on Jesus. As we live our life, we are looking for the tail light of Jesus uh, in the scriptures and, and asking uh, is that the place where I need to turn? When we have a, a conflict with people, we should look at Jesus and we'd ask, how would he handle that? Or we, we, uh, how would we handle our, our, our acquisitions and our money? And how would we deal with the poor or, or people from other cultures? What would Jesus do? How did he respond? And, and we would make our life, uh, adjust our life accordingly. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you do not grow weary or lose heart. It's a challenge to walk with Jesus today. It's a challenge to be in the following. Uh, But Jesus uh, said, the scripture said, the essence of our faith is to follow Jesus. Uh, And that means to look at his life and his ministry and what he had to say and adjust our lives to be in concert with him. When Jesus said, follow me, he meant to follow him. Jesus says, I'm going this way. I'm doing things this way. And I treat people this way. Follow me. I'll meet you at the finish. And that's it for the following today. Pray that God has encouraged you and that you uh, be faithful as you follow Jesus.